On this episode of Of Mechs and Men, we learn Singh shot first, but he should have shot twice. Welcome to Of Mechs and Men. I'm Kanan Hill, and I am joined today by my two good friends, Brent. It's me, Brent. And Aaron. It's me, Aaron. And I am so glad they could join me today, because today we are here to talk about a book, a Battletech book. Not just any Battletech book, the first Battletech book, mind you. That is Decision at Thunder Rift by William H. Keith Jr. I'm very excited to talk about it. How about you, boys? How are we feeling? How you doing? I'm so ready that someone might think there's an autocannon in my pocket. Well, that's good, because today we'll be covering first nine chapters, so chapter ones through nine of Decision yes. Under Rift, starting a that's right. long series of episodes as we go through the entirety of the book. I love it. Is it a good idea? I think so. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's why we're here. Let's not waste any more of your time. Let's get into it. I really like this prologue. It's such a tight little summary of like the whole thing. I was like, wow, you know what? This is really, it's like right from the beginning, you can tell though that you're like, this is still true. Yeah. You're like, wow, this is, um, it's all here, huh? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's written. It's like an excerpt. At the end, you realize it's like an excerpt from like a book or like an essay, Terror's Balance, A History of the Succession Wars by Nikolai Aristobulus. Which I always like, okay, so uh, it's sort of like right away they open from like, you're like, what is this, like an essay or whatever? And I love in the audiobook, you get like, you know, Trent goes so hard on this shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> he like comes in like, you know, thundering death for any unarmored army crazy enough to stand and fight. You're like, damn, dude, this is wild. The monster machines pound away at one another. Uh, I love it. I loved it. Very good. Um. You know, I think anybody that's been into Battletech has run into this problem before when they're trying to tell somebody about Battletech because, you know, like a dozen people know about it. It's so big (laughs) that it's really hard to get started when you're trying to discuss anything. So I think this is a great little thing that if you were to uh, throw this out as a spiel, like somebody would get Battletech, at least at the very surface level. So when you start yelling about mechs and shit like that, seconds later, uh, then they can follow along enough. Battletech's so dense, right? Uh, For those who don't know what Battletech is, it's like a fractal. Like, you can pan all the way out and, like, pan all the way in, and there's storytelling to be done at all levels there. And so... As you were saying, you can try and uh, yell at some random stranger on the street and be like, uh, Battletech, it's rad, and then just start going down a rabbit. It's really like, and this is a really eloquent uh, <laughs> little, like, summary. Sum- little summary that I think is written. The choice of words and everything, it's really good. I just, shout outs to whoever wrote the prologue itself. Uh, mm-hmm. They did a great job. If that was uh, Keith or uh, someone else. Yeah, if uh, it was pulled from Oh, I wonder. Yeah. They might have given yeah. it to him. 
Yeah. That's, that would be funny. And yet, after centuries of warfare, no clear gains been made by any single house, no fatal flaw uncovered. War continues with the giants struggling among the ruins of what once had been a proud galactic civilization. But the powers behind the war understood a maxim of war as old as war itself. What cannot be won by force of arms can often be achieved through cunning, deceit, or by a concealed blade slipped into an enemy's back. And then it's like, all right, let's go. You know, it's just it's yep. like chapter one. And you're like... Let's get started. Wasn't this a, was like, I thought this was about robots. Wait a minute. It's like. <laughs> That's the first indicator, right? That there's something more going on than the OG locust on the cover. Or if you've got like one of the more modern. What's the, the newest one? Oh, dude, the locust is wild. The old locust is like. The unseen locust. It's got those stringy legs. That's where you were going. Uh, I cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. It's real goofy. It's so it's so seventies like sci fi like you know like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's more uh, of the world's proportions yeah. on some of those mechs so a lot of the new art stuff the new art I think yeah. is it it's it's a mech from the Oberon Confederation it's a Marauder if I recall the new one and I don't have a physical cover here with me because I've been buying the physical books but I haven't I skipped Grey Death because I've read these so much mm-hmm. I think oh wait you know what. Okay, no, the new uh, one, it's the Locust, but while it's spoilers, uh, while it's being held by the Oberon, the animal eye, as I believed it's described in the book, which is more of... Yeah, we're going to get there in like two chapters, so right. uh, not a huge spoiler. Not a huge spoiler, but uh, it's it's more of a reptile eye, if I'm going to be honest with you, in the, the art, but... Uh, like a lot of things with Decision at Thunder Rift, there's lots of little things that uh, have been retcon since, and that's something if you're coming into this, you're going to kind of have to put up with is uh, you'll be like, later on, you'll be like, wait, I thought this was how it was, but this was written. Um, one of the earliest. Yeah. It's, it's the earliest yeah. uh, uh, as far as books. Not surprisingly, though, I noticed not that many things, though. Like, not as much. I was like, you know what? So much of this, it still checks out. This is kind of nuts. Like, so, like, man, there's so much here. We'll, we'll get into it. I'm like, <laughs> that's, dude, it's that's all here, though. That's why we're here, yeah. It's all here. It's kind of wild, you know? Chapter one, it opens with like the traitor. Yeah, it's the traitor viewpoint. Uh, they only describe him as the traitor. They don't give him a name yet. I don't. I don't think they even. Uh, they don't name him at all. You know, he's like disguised. He's like a native trail. He's like an Aztec. Oh yeah, and they call him an Aztec. And I didn't know this uh, for like the, the like the longest time until I was like looking up. I was like reading how a mech company works and stuff, and like who all works there. It turns out that Aztec is like those are like the assistant techs. That every mech, generally in a unit, every mech has a uh, team of technicians, one tech, and like three or four, I think, like Aztecs. And uh, so, like, and uh, so you can see right away 
you know, you feel like the squires, right? The knights on the horses, you know, putting the armor on, you know what I mean? Every like mech has its own like team of like dudes who like work on it. And then they have like the warrior, you know, the knight, like right away, it's like a knight atop a gallant steed. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it is. I just realized I didn't know that. And I've been into Battletech for quite some time. I did not know Aztecs. In fact, I have, as a catch-all, uh, called all techs Aztecs. So they're only the assistant to the tech. See, I've made that same mistake. It's in campaign operations. But that, it's funny. I'm just reading through campaign operations now. So <laughs> uh, that is why I didn't know that. But we're not here for crunch. We're here for fluff. Oh, right, 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 right. That's excuse what we me, do. Excuse me. Uh, uh, <laughs> but no, no, I do think, uh, I do think opening with that Aztec, and because uh, I didn't know that either before that. So um, I've seen the name around, but I've used them interchangeably uh, many times and very incorrectly now. So um, yeah, the sabotaging. What is it? He uh, he sabotages the Shadowhawk. Yes. First, that's the first thing, that, which is, I guess, the first, uh, the first named like mech. Uh, the, yeah, the, uh, that is the first. Yeah. That is funny. They call it a heavy mech, which is one of those. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this word right now. Anachronistic. It's anachronistic. It's obviously, uh, as many people uh, know now, a medium mech, but it's described as a heavy here. They called it heavy. If they don't do it here, they it do it later. later on. Okay. Uh, because I see they say it's a 55. It was one of, it was one of the things I uh but, but from what I recall, I read something a while back that Battle Droids when when it was still Battle Droids uh before they got sued by George Lucas <laughs> over the word droids. I believe there weren't even assault mechs yet. It heavy was literally the uh yeah, the we like, yeah that was yeah. The scale. And then so through that part we do stick with him for that for the good portion of the first chapter we are with the traitor i love the in the audiobook the voice when he's talking you know trends like he does the maintenance sir you know uh they send me down yeah. from central control and it's like damn junk <laughs> you know like everything else is in this sand rotten uh i was like this is so this is so good but you know what does he do he like he just like he has like a circuit board or something it's like he sneaks up onto the uh he starts pulling stuff out the shadow hawk and like prize open like a little uh access latch or something and like changes the circuit board or like cuts oh yeah and then he's like i gotta go check on the, the security cameras yeah, yeah yeah and that's when yeah yeah he's like i gotta go check on the cameras they're just like all right you know whatever so we get a cold open with the aztec then the scene is aztec opening up some hatches you get the idea that he's not up to any good and that he is being incognito and sneaky sneaky this is actually going to be something and this is something that happens multiple times in this book and it's going to be on my gripe list that starts here they come back and explain this because the time i'm reading it i was like man what a shitty unit that this dude's just wandering around disabling mechs and like oh i guess i'm the camera guy now and nobody's questioning and and then later on, they do go through and explain it. Like when they come back to the trader, they do explain like how much a forge pass and everything will get you access to everything and kind of then makes them seem a little bit more competent. Yeah. This happens multiple times in the story and I will mention them every time I come across them. But that is something that when reading it, I was like, man, if he would have put that just a brief sentence early on of like you know the forged documents in his pocket type thing where it'd be like these people aren't shit 
they could like there is some security and they just don't let random people touch their Macs. That I think would have been something where it's like for the first little part, I thought the commandos might have been a fluke that they had accomplished anything. So. <laughs> I uh, I don't know why, like rereading it, you're right. I've always been under the idea that he was an Aztec that's already been working there, right? And so, but that makes sense with the forged documents. Uh, that just, that little detail just slipped by me. Um, I will say, spoilers, uh, this is not the last time this happens to the nope. Dre Death Legion. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> But it makes sense, you know. I, I can see it later, but like I said, but, uh, just who a few... really knows what Aztecs yeah. do anyway, right? <laughs> there's a few times here uh, that it happens in this book for different things where they come back and explain something that I immediately was like, why? And so it does get addressed. I, I do give credit that it gets addressed. I just feel like it could have been addressed like at the time, and then it would have made people seem scarier or more competent or not total shit. Totally. I said. So, but, you know, all in all, I still think it's a cool scene. I think it's like a good little, like, uh, starting with an Aztec and understanding that kind of point of view, I think is kind of neat because uh, not hopping straight into a mech warrior. I, I think we're getting to the heart of the genre here, too, which is uh, Battletech's inherently a little pulpy, you know? Yeah. Uh, you got, like, we're opening with a little bit of action, but it's not mech action. It's, uh, it's people action, which... Uh, Well, yeah, and I think, like, as you're saying, I think that's just a great way to open it, where it's like, this isn't just lasers and cannons blowing shit up. We're getting into some of the things where people are going to be more impactful than the machines. But the machine stuff that we're going to talk about later is still fucking cool. Yeah. And uh, that you're, you're here for the mechs, you stay for the people. So with that, we do get to hop straight in to our main character for this trilogy, which will be Grayson. Grayson, Death, Carla, <laughs> the man I always forget is blonde. I don't know why. Uh, even recently, having seen a photo from that book Catalyst you recently uh, released, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's blonde." And I've seen photos of him numerous times over the years. Uh, it's he's described as blonde in this book, and still, like for whatever reason, I picture him with like brown hair for some reason. Yeah, they talk about him being blonde so many times. I know. I'm just... like that it's a point of problem in the novel. It is a it is a hurdle for him to get across. But I get it, you know. Blonde <laughs> blonde is a uh, a state of happiness and <laughs> we don't get a lot I of I don't that. know where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm I guess what I'm saying at the end of the day is maybe I should pay some more uh some attention better. to description and yeah, words. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I should read better. So then you get this like paragraph here. Like, you know, it opens with the name Grayson Death Carlisle, you know, but then you get this whole little bit about now, you know, uh, it's death, but it used to be Deeth, you see, because uh, Lord, Lord Grayson Death <laughs> Thomas, the victor of Lysander, changed it. And you're like, OK, it's just so funny. It's, <laughs> it's like he was like, I want to name him Death. But uh, I gotta like you know gotta I gotta get you know I got this he he like opens with it it's like a little defensive I'm like oh, okay yeah. dude like I you know I <laughs> you did he's like he's like let's just get this up front you know it's there's a, you know his it was his grandpa and I'm like it's cool Keith it's it's fucking it's it's BattleTech dude you know what? it's fine there's a man named James there's a man named James Wolf if there's a franchise to name your character Death in this one's a fine one to do it. But I get it, though. I, I understood why it happened, but I also felt exactly like you did, Kanan. I was like, uh, 
I see you, you've just got to get this out so that people will believe it. Like it's like first order of business. Yes. I named this character death. You're going to have to be okay with that. And I think everyone's okay with it. And I think everybody's met one person in their life where it's like, yeah, that shit's death. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pronounced differently. And you're like, it's not, but it's okay. Yeah. I don't want to get made fun of either. I mean, even though you can't really make fun of death that well. I feel I like a lot of Jesus's get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of energy. You know, he, you know, it's funny because it is his middle name. He could just like not use it. You know, he could, yeah. like, he could just be Grayson D. Carlisle. <laughs> Grayson D. But no, yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm real, yeah, I'm a little sensitive about it. But also like, it, you should totally call me it though. That, that being <laughs> said though, I feel like he doesn't wear it well either. Grayson, uh, you know, there's a lot of traits I would attribute to him being kind of this dark brooding guy is definitely not one. Like, I feel like the name is unfitting. You could have fun with it. I feel like, you know, yeah. you name your mech the Grim Reaper or something like that. And you just lean into it a yeah. little bit just to just to head off the joke. But yeah, he decides to stay sensitive about it. Yeah. Like, just everybody pretend that this name I'm making you call me is... Uh... Which now we open into the classical giant robot anime opening, which uh, admittedly, uh, this kind of doesn't necessarily predate, but it's not in a place where this was... Uh, what are we, What is this, 89 when this book came out? Uh, uh, so admittedly, uh, he probably never ran into the classic trope, but you get the... The angsty teen who's like late for. Uh, see, I saw it as I didn't see it so much as the angst, as much as he's like walking in, fucking finger gunning people, like pow, pow, pow. Hey, hold on. Correction. Sorry. Uh, 1986. 1986. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, thank you, Kanan. That one's for the that one's for the comment section. <laughs> I beat you to it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Save that one for our first email. Uh, but yeah, he kind of comes in. He's just like, eh, whatever. Fuck all yeah. this. <laughs> it's very 80s. Yeah. I mean, it's very like, it's that 80s, 90s I'm, energy. Like, I'm getting laid, getting paid. Yeah. And like, he's having a great time. And he's like, this dude's going to yell at me. But I think I, I think I can get away with it. And it's like, I don't think he's ever it, gotten away with it. it it's that uh, I've had an ass chewing before. Yeah. I can handle an ass chewing. Uh, um, but... And this is going to be something that I, this was probably my biggest comment I wanted to make in this book was with Grayson. Um, I felt like it would have been much cooler if Grayson was like 16 and not in his 20s. I, I totally agree. I, I feel like the arc that he's on, I feel like it would make a lot more sense if he was like 16 years old feeling all this out and i feel like he's 16 years. I, that's how i read it for the rest of the story is yeah. like i just kind of changed it yeah and you know i get like you couldn't have him be 16 because he's all about getting laid right now yeah. it's just like man i can't wait to fucking sleep with this trail woman even though i know i'm gonna leave well i mean uh, they, they leave it open to interpretation i don't think of. they do at all i think they <laughs> explicitly say that they're banging uh like as close as you I can. I think they, they use the words love making, I believe, yeah. which you know that a vigorous night where who, he didn't sleep. Yeah. You know, they were just kissing and holding hands. I mean, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I just feel like you could have probably pulled that back to a little more first crush type energy um as a sixteen year old. And it would have made just the same impact as if he's in his mid twenties as a poon hound. Uh, and I think what? that's fine. I just feel like the decision making feels like that of a sixteen year old. Totally, I'm 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 with you. Uh, and uh, but 
you can see the as you already said there's some calculated reasons probably why they did uh one thing or the other i feel like if, if it was something where it was a necessity you could have done a time skip a little bit ahead of like especially in this book and this is something as we'll talk about later but like there's some times where it's like oh he could have integrated himself into the society a little bit more for a longer period of time and then this stuff starts going down and we could have had him then be 22 but have been on his own for a few years and living with the consequences of what happens later and i felt like maybe at that point like i would have felt a little more understanding in that uh because i mean there's nothing wrong with it it's not like he's a 88 or anything like that but he does seem very impulsive he seems like torn in a lot of directions and not like he really can do a lot of super quick critical thinking um except when he does and then he does it flawlessly um but he feels like all of us when we were 16 which is just like fuck going to drills yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go to girls uh and like come back i'll take an ash chewing what are they gonna do they can't kill me like they're not gonna fire yeah. me my dad runs the regiment yeah uh, i'm gonna I, they're gonna send me in sim time i like sim time i just pretend i don't and i feel like it would have felt perfect as a little rebellious teenage phase which is clearly what they're going for yeah uh, just he's 22 or something like that is he 22 he's 20 he's 20 years old 20 yeah 20's fine i you know what uh sorry grayson is 20 years old and four hours late because he <laughs> was hanging out with his girlfriend so you get this real but he you're right he does have some real like Luke Skywalker complaining about Tashi Station or whatever, like, you know, uh, you know, what is it? He like sneaks in the, he like sneaks in the side door, you know, it's like the vehicle bear, like whatever. And they're like the technicians and he's like, he's like, oh, I'm so late. And then like, we're introduced to, uh, the warrant weapons master, Sergeant Kai Griffith. And this is the first character where I'm like, this guy read Dune. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of Dune talk, uh, as There's we go through this. We won't beat it too much but dune light is a good descriptor and you know what that's fine uh it's because fine. dune i would actually argue if i was going to compare battletech to another franchise it's dunish it's dunish yeah you can get lost in the weeds it's maybe Dune-ish. not may, well maybe not in the like maybe not in some of the broader strokes but definitely the you know this is a space feudalism kind of deal uh, in some ways, retro-futuristic. It doesn't tonally, like, meet Dune, but... But, yeah, as you're saying, this character is that strong, where you're like, oh, yeah, we know this is Gurney. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I also, the first time I read this, I was like, man, if I read this when I was a kid, uh, since it's my first time going through all the books, um, I was like, man, I would have been like, fuck that, dude, old man's a bitch. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, man, that poor man. <laughs> like, that poor man, yeah. He has to deal with the, like, owner's son and be like, well, how far do I go? But I can't go too far. Uh, man, what a pain it must be to be, like, Grayson's teacher. <laughs> also, I want to say one of my favorite names, Kai Griffith. It's a solid name. It is solid. You know, he's, uh, oh, man, I love this bit, though. Yes, he's, like, sneaking through the, you know, Mech Bay or whatever, and then the... Uh, He's like, oh man, Sergeant Griffith's from reprimand was going to be worse than the cold, he decided. But the memory of Mara's caresses, the lingering warmth of her kisses, made up for it all. And then he gets the, oh, so Master Death is deigned to join us. I see you mimicking our boy. I love it. Yeah. He goes so hard with the, uh, yeah, see, I, I don't know. You just see, I, he's just like this huge dude. What do we got? It's like, 
The harsh overhead lights gleamed from his hairless scalp and seemed to highlight the savage blue scar that twisted down his jaw close to his right ear. So he's got like a scar, you know, he's bald. He's got a scar. Is he, he has a, he's got, a, yeah, drooping mustache. Absolutely. You already knew that, right? You already saw yeah. the hand before you get there. You, you like, you already see the handlebar. Uh, so very good. <laughs> yeah. They do capture that real quick. It's like, this dude looks like the way he is. And that's, yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good thing. And then, like I said, yeah, you know, he has to fucking put up with Grayson through this point. I, w- I will say, uh, I don't know how you guys felt, but I wanted more of him. He was a character that I feel like he was a vehicle for something and he was used appropriately like that. But I, yeah. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have mind seeing him again in some fashion. I agree. I agree. Uh, just because, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun dynamic. I mean, yeah. that's a, that's the old trope of like grizzled teacher versus flippant student. And right. it would be cool to see some of that, but I also understand the value in not having him around. I do too. So yeah. it's not a slight. It's just like, he is kind of rad. So yeah. I do like him. You know, he reprimands him and he's like, I wasn't, you know, seeing my girlfriends. My, it's like my last chance. So we learned that like, okay, so they're like leaving soon. And then, you know, Griff gives him the old, he's like, you know, we haven't finished with this, Master Carlisle. You're being trained to con a battle mech someday to be a mech warrior of Carlisle's commandos. And you see the, you see the intercapped, like a battle mech, like the B and the M and the inter, like the mech warrior, like the M and the W. And you're like, okay, warriors have to learn a damn sight more than how to pilot a walking metal mountain. Get me? He's like, okay. But, uh, he's, <laughs> but he learns they're supposed to be observing something or whatever. He's like, you know, come with me. And to keep, uh, you know, even though I complained about the like flippantness of Grayson as like a 20 year old, I will say at least they kept it consistent. Where yeah. it's like, you know, you're like boning down like T political figure's daughter, right? And he's like, what of it? And you're like, that's important, kid. Yeah. Like, I, you know, There's at least there's probably yeah. going to be fallout that, from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, more in the realm of like, even going from this perspective before anything has happened, where it's like, we're leaving in a minute and we didn't want anybody to know what we were doing because we needed to get out of here pretty clean. And like, you're off having dates with the leader's daughter, probably saying God knows what. Right. Um, and it's like, this dude's just sweating operations. This security. is like the classic liability. Like yeah. Grayson, like, and they do a good job of setting this up that he's a liability and some things are about to change in his life to make yeah, him not yeah. want to be I, that anymore. And it was a good setup for that. Having him be that way I agree. is good because then you get to see how he changes and he wasn't just perfect and in Mary Sue it, right it, off the bat. It's funny you mentioned Mary Sue, my buddy, uh, who I got into Battletech. I got, it's actually a friend of my brother's. Uh, my brother was reading, he started with this decision at Thunder Rift, and then his buddy, who was staying with us, also wanted to read them, because we played the tabletop game. And uh, he picked up the second book and started reading that, and he was like, this Grayson dude's kind of a Mary Sue. And it, I thought it was so funny, specifically with what you're saying yep. here, is that the book one really goes to great lengths to show that the man's not a Mary Sue and that he earns everything that he kind of comes into his abilities when we get to the next two books. Yeah. Yeah. And, but if you do skip the first book, you might think Grayson's a bit of uh, Mary Sue. Right oh yeah, bat. dude. He gets yeah. dragged to the garbage. This is a book about a man having a real bad time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Chapter two. We're still with Griff and uh, Grayson. They uh, he takes him to something called the Combat Command Center. You know, a room lined with consoles, power feeds, cables. Uh, you know, you see the scene: bunch of dudes, bunch of techs walking around, looking at screens. Screens are flickering. You know the but you know we're t- you know it's uh, it's all CRTs. This beautiful big cable snaking around on the ground. You know what I mean? Big old cable snake, like plugged into like, like you know, yeah. You're getting some like classic uh, Hollywood radar sound, like bloop. Absolutely, bloop. Absolutely, bloop. You know, yeah. I love it. Real like you know the like submarine stuff. Oh yeah, you're right. Eerie green glow of radar trackers. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Absolutely. Uh, it's it always makes me think of you know like Star Wars, the little control room there in Hoth. It gives me those like, absolutely, vibes, but absolutely. <laughs> so every military, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but I will say because it is, it is cool to always see what <laughs> it's. It's fun. He does a good job painting it, but he did also a really good job of painting like Grayson as somebody who a sticks out in this room right. as out of place, and b does a good job of giving Grayson this like he's grown up in this like. You know, he's not intimidated by any of this. He has no respect for it either, though, because as you said, he's grown up with it. And so it's not, it means nothing to him. And they paint that well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those like moments where you're like, yeah, cool. You've done a great job setting that up. Like you've stayed consistent. So even though I griped about the age, the consistency is there throughout this. So it's fine as he's going through and just like fucking once again, finger gun, everybody's walking by and they're just desperately like, I've got to get this right. Uh, this is a big tense moment for everybody. And Grayson's like, man, what the fuck? Nothing's going to happen. And this brings us to our big picture point. If you want to take us away, Kanan. Oh, yes. We're in the command center. Mylite dropship now entering atmosphere. We learn presence of the Oberon representatives on board. And uh, yeah, we got a Mylite dropship. We got uh, uh, Oberon representatives. You know, there's some dudes in here. What is it? Two man set, one dark eyed senior tech. You know, beside them stood another civilian, silver haired and erect. A silver-chased quarter cloak, fashionable on the inner worlds, draped across his left shoulder. Uh, you know, and we learn that this is Nikolai Aristobulus, who, if you remember, was the one who wrote the prologue. <laughs> I did not remember, nor have I. I've read this book uh-huh. five or six times now, and I never put two and two together. Um, wow. I really do need to pay more attention. <laughs> Yeah, for our book review podcast. <laughs> I'll cut that. We learn, you know, he's like, hello, Ari. You know, okay, here's the thing. If you've listened to the trend, the th- you know, while rereading this, it's like, I can't not hear trend, like, forever. Totally. I'm like, wow. Listen to the audiobook first. Like, really colors. It's like, I when I read the lines, it's like, you know, because when you, re- you know, I have my own, it's like, I can't hear my own, like, my like my I don't know. It's a it's so funny. Uh Trent, uh who's currently doing some of the audiobooks for Catalyst Games, uh you're killing it. Uh buddy, you're killing it. He's killing it, dude. But yeah, so uh he's like, you know, hello Ari. Uh what what did we learn? Uh he's like, Master Carlisle, you're late. Uh you know, they protest. He's like, you know, what's he doing here? You know, you know, and then and then he's like, Oh, well, you know, he's gonna have to run this thing someday, so he should be here. Right. We have Aristobulus, Nikolai Aristobulus, and Lord Olin Vogel, who uh, we learn is, um, uh, he's, a, he's an emissary from the Lyrian Commonwealth, 
He is Katrina Steiner's personal emissary, and he arrived about 80 days ago um, because he has been working on he's been working on a deal. Turns out, I think we learn all this stuff in this chapter by the end of it. So, basically, there's a bandit king nearby. You know, there's a bunch of planets, and kind of they're out on the rim, right? They talk about how I think this is where he first introduces, like, hey, uh, you know, there's like the inner sphere, the system's closer to Earth. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like more inhabited. We, you know, Trail One's kind of out here. You know, it's kind of out on the, uh, the outer rim, uh, so to speak. The periphery, if you will. You know, we got some, you know, we got some bandit, you know, we got some pirates. You know, right away we're like, we got bandit kings. Not only do we have a bandit king, there's a whole bunch of them. They've made an alliance. So now we have like a little bandit nation. And basically the Commonwealth is like... We don't want to deal with this. We, it's going to take too many troops. It's going to be too expensive. Like, we don't want to pay to, like, defend. Like, it's like, what's going on out there? So then they're like, check it out. What if we recognize him as, uh, you know, what if we legitimize him? You know? What if we uh, send a guy and be like, it's, it's Lyrian stuff. They're just like, let's hire him. You know, let's, uh, you know, let's, you know, let's, you know, send a dude out there, give him a briefcase full of cash and just to throw money at it. You know, what are you going to do? And uh, so then they they offer him the like the defense contract and all that. And so there's that's and you learn that they're they're switching out the the mercenaries. You know the Great Death Legion. They've been here for uh, uh, I think it's, uh, I think a couple of years. They're like five years I think now. It's been a while. They've been garrisoned here for defense, and then now they're exchanging forces. They're using the uh, the Mylai. Is like they're just traitors. They're like a neutral third party that's shuffling. I think they're uh, they're bringing Hendrick here or like Hendrick's people. They're gonna make a deal. They're gonna make a deal. The ship's coming down. The dropship with the uh, who's it's a uh, it's it's Hendrick. Is Hend- I think Hendrick's supposed to be in the dropship. He is supposed to be. We're gonna learn very quickly about who's there. But yeah, he's raids for water. The coalition Oberon Six. Hendrick. Mm-hmm. Hendrick's capital of Oberon Six. Controlled the firepower and transport capacity of a minor house. So, uh, Vogel's got a plan. I do like th- this whole setup for it, though. Because, I mean, he, Keith does a good job of explaining that. Of like, <laughs> like, hey, uh, you ever heard of a bad idea before? Here's one. Uh, <laughs> and, like, Carlisle Commandos, you're, like, stationed there. And it's like, well, what were you stationed there for? Well, to defend against these pirates that have... Uh, gotten together and started raiding these planets and it's like okay well then how are you solving that issue well we're gonna hire them and it's like well that can't be bad it Uh, it, it is it is very it's definitely a you can see it as a top uh down yeah or or just like a like it does a good job painting the inner sphere problems with the periphery problems where it's just like who the fuck gives a shit if this pirate takes shit out here we don't care and uh there's so many worlds yeah Funnily enough, you would think, man, though, but like the citizens here, like if they had been like raided and like perhaps even lost loved ones to violence, you know, they're talking about a violent situation here, you know, to these pirates who've been like harassing them for like who knows how long. And then like, you know, I don't know if you just found it's like, okay, anyway, so those guys are going to be the cops now. You guys are chill with that. Like you think they'd be chill with it. Turns out Carlisle's advisors had been correct. When news of the impending agreement reached the people of Sargod, at the base of the mountain where the castle stood guard, citywide riots had broken out. The fires turned that hot first night, first night, one word, today. 
the Lance's two light mechs had been tied down with patrol duty in the city uh, ever since. So we got two light mechs on patrol duty. We got civil unrest. And in, in a mech down in the mech bay. And I believe those two mechs are locusts. Are those both it's like a, a wasp, maybe? I think a it's wasp a wasp and a locust. Yeah. Okay. Um, a locust, I, I, uh, it says here. And oh, it, I, oh I no, it's it, both wasps. That's oh, right. both wasps. That's right. Yep. Sorry. No, I I mean, to me, it's just one of those things. It, it does a good job of painting like a very military procedure where like this group knows it's a bad idea. Everything's yep. like, oh, this is fucked up. But we get to get away from it so like yeah. this is going to be somebody else's problem just, here shortly we gotta pull we just out need to dip and, out quietly yep and uh well i'm sure that's what happens right yes yeah, exactly uh, we learned that why? the drop ships are egg-shaped that's important that that is important well, yeah uh, as they're coming through we're watching on the radar and i mean it's like it doesn't take a big imagination to be like oh this is gonna get fucked up uh <laughs> like you can yeah. read like the first image uh as they're describing it and you're like oh yeah this is not gonna go smooth so um, someone didn't do their homework, and yeah. uh, and everyone's gonna pay for it uh, real soon. It seems. I think it's a good setup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry, <clears throat> a lance of mechs. Grayson's dad is out there. Grayson's dad is in the Phoenix Hawk. You learn, and they're out right. on like the tarmac, the Ferrocrete. Uh, they're out on the Ferrocrete because you know they're there. You know they're there for security and whatever. You know they're the. Uh, at the port, right? Yeah, they're at the yeah, port. At the they're, port. They're kind of the greeting party, but everybody is immediately like fucking sweating bullets. Like, fuck, this is gonna be bad. Um, be- because it's they're getting it from yeah. both ends, right? Like, whatever's going, whatever's in this dropship could be bad, and if this doesn't go smoothly, or even if it does, the whole city could go bad. It's it's a rock and a hard spot. This was also something that like it brings up the next point. It's not a grievous thing for me. It's just like they mentioned like, well, the two wasp are out on patrol and you, you know, it's like, well, they you know, people are unhappy and it's like later they kind of describe the other assets that are here and you're like, you think you send the hovers and the vehicles out because one of your mechs is fucked up. You say maybe all three mechs should be consolidated in one area, but it's like, no, we just sent they, those out. To if I recall, everything. they address that though. And they're like, well, we don't want to leave, you know, our main forces unprotected as in literally the mercenary company itself. Oh, they, but in the, basically they say like, why are the two wasp on patrol? And it follows up with who knows? the natives are none too happy about this deal i wouldn't be either um and it's like I, you're putting unrest but you think like where's the threat gonna come from sure. uh, yeah <laughs> you know you've got the planetary militia you've got all that and it's like we everybody's here white knuckled over the fucking screens well yeah we are gonna run into a battle techism here which is sometimes stuff has to just show up so that uh, we're we're gonna get yeah that. sometimes we need rompy stompy robots yeah. and uh we're about to be at the part where we're uh we're gonna get some rompy stompy robots yeah yeah it just it, it was one of those things where it's like another take into like are, are the carlisle commandos incompetent uh <laughs> tick um but you know hey they're not around for too much longer. So <laughs> to uh, say that's a foreshadow of uh, what comes out of that dropship. And then you get all that dropships coming down, you know, black and ferrocrete and whatnot. You know, land staff watches their captain's Phoenix Hawk begin striding across the ferrocrete, you know, and it's, it's going over there. And they're like, uh, it's actually over oh. there because they specifically don't trust them. Because, I mean, it's, it specifically says uh, the trust is shaky and like letting other people land, you know, it says right here, you know, could mount formidable armament, could carry battalions of battle mechs, small armies of troops, heavy combat vehicle, you know, uh, there are weapons trains. So like they all got their guns on it, you know, basically, and the thing's coming down. And, uh, and then 
you get in the repair bay, the trader glanced over the top of the part. You know, you get the trader standing in the repair bay. Check his wrist comp. Mm. Uh, last few seconds. I do want to point out a piece of tech that I was like, oh, this is cool that they showed this off right away here. Um, um, it's something that I feel like is useful going forward. And I don't think I recall it getting used again, but they're patched into the Phoenix Hawks feed. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that I was like, it oh, was that's, cool. yeah. yeah, it's, it's, I, I, it's just a little thing. Oh yeah. 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 He's right. Yeah. They're totally like, they have like a video feed. That's true. I think it's cool. I, I wish they would use this more in other, it, it's like a little, fr- maybe it's lost tech, you know? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> like, I feel like I don't see it a lot uh, going forward, at least not in the fluff. It is, it is a cool thing though. Like when you're playing it, it is a cool tool to bring out. Like yeah. if you're doing a campaign or exactly. something like that, be like, fuck yeah, we're patched right into that mech footage. Like, oh, we're broadcasting this mech footage. It's cool. Right. You know, so yeah, we get the scene dropships coming down. Phoenix Hawk starts striding towards it. And then like, you know, cuts to the dude in the repair bay looking down at his watch. Checked his wrist cop. The last few seconds flicker away to zero. The moment for action had come. And uh, mm. you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the paragraph that you knew was coming that whole chapter. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like it's just the lone Phoenix Hawk. Everybody's uh, like talking about how tense this is. And it's like all these vehicles and stuff yeah. that they're talking about beforehand. It's like, well, I guess we're not sending any of that to it. And uh, if you're a, fr- a fan of the franchise in the tabletop game, maybe at some point you've looked and seen what a uh, dropship's. Uh, armament are and uh you realize uh if you've done this you realize that a phoenix hawk is uh very outdone just by uh very outgunned by just the dropship alone well and this is but a moment to that credit where it doesn't have any weapons because it's a traitor oh that's right i forgot about that so Uh, yeah but even then what's the point of having the phoenix hawk there if it's talking about like well this could hold battalions of mechs like this could be hordes of soldiers and it's like send one dude you know what uh I kind of get it though because you've got uh, you've got you know you've got one or uh, I can't remember how many gates uh, you have on a, a standard dropship and I don't know if they describe which model this is but you know you can kind of if even if there are forces you can bottleneck them at the dropship especially if there's no mm-hmm. weapons on the exterior so maybe this isn't completely I I get what you're saying. Uh, they probably should have committed more forces to this. Yeah, but, it's just uh, if the if the concern is there, it's kind of like and, a half done and, effort. And if they just they made all these arrangements, why the Shadowhawk in repairs? Why wouldn't you make arrangements so everything was like in the like up and up? Well, that, def- that's what the traders for. I mean, let's be honest. There's some holes here. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, it, it's fun because we're some going stuff this has to happen. Tooth. Yeah, it, and it, it's not a point to say the book is like you can't read it because of this right it's you know stuff's moving forward we're talking we're we're in the first couple chapters i feel like going forward we get more consistency out of battletech even going forward in just the gray death series uh we get more consistency where where things are a little bit more thought out still plot holes but uh thought out anyway so yeah and we will point them out as we see them, of just course. because we are going through this stuff with a fine tooth comb. And I mean, it doesn't mean it's a failure. It doesn't mean anything there. It's just like, a this is what I was thinking when I was reading right. it. Oh, yeah. Chapter two also, like you said, uh, you get his dad chastises him for being late. And then uh, he's like, you get some more time in the simulator. And then you learn like, oh, they got like simulators, you know? That's uh, right. You know, how cool is that? You know, battle tech centers. And he gives them a, uh, a something like reprimand received. Was that the the term? I was just, I my eyes were rolling. I was like, as I could see his eyes rolling. Oh, and uh, he does mention that they're going to Tharkad next. 
that's their, you know, they're packing up heading to Tharkad, and Tharkad is the capital, capital of the Lyrian Commonwealth. It's about to get real cozy for uh, the Grey Death Legion. As it says, uh, Car- Carlisle Commandos. Oh, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> spoilers. Cool and rocky, cool and rocky the world might be, but nightlife in the strip outside the capital starport had a decidedly warm reputation. <laughs> so I think everyone's ready for some RMR. Oh, and oh, yeah. yeah. And, there's, and there's a short bit about how the days and nights are all like messed up here. They're all like weird and short. And the yeah, seasons th- go like super fast. Oh, this is like an intermission, actually. I actually kind of like the way they fed this in. It's like you got a little bit of drama, and then they're like, let's get to some of the fluff. Let's get to, like, here's the, uh, here's all the information about the planet. And see, to me, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of it where it's like there's a cup, there's too much fluff dump, um, where it's like three to four paragraphs of fluff in the middle of like a tent scene. When it could have been like, you know, hey, Grayson's on his way back and you could have thrown the day night cycle because I think it is a cool cycle. I like how they did the time pass on the planet. But it's like, you know, oh, he looks at his watch and it's, you know, four after on first day. And it's like, then you can do a little fluff thing and explain it naturally instead of like everybody's like eyes glued on the computer. And it's like, by the way, if you would like to know about the uh, day night cycle, click here. And uh <laughs> You don't get the choice. You do click there. I I get what you're saying. I think the reason I don't feel that way is literally because the last time, the last, the ways that I have partaken in Decision at Thunder Rift is literally because I've done it via uh, audiobook. And I think, I think now that I'm thinking back, now that you've said what you've said, I think when I originally read it in paperback that I also was like, Oh my God, they're just, they, it just, just keeps going on. But in the audiobook, it kind of like flows over. Flow. And it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's why uh, I feel that way. And I completely understand why you feel that <laughs> yeah. way as well. Yeah. Uh, not anything, not anything terrible. Just a, just one of those things where it's like, man, we're hopping from fluff to tents, fluff, fluff to tents. But I felt like some of that fluff could have been somewhere else. There's a few times, and especially in this book, where we're going to get big dumps on things that I felt like could have been explored more naturally. They sprint. Like, this whole, like, opening is a dead sprint. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, this is th- this chapter that we're getting to. Chapter three is where it starts. I mean, really, chapter one and two are, uh, call it shit. Lol, and uh, <laughs> it's like, by the way, let's get him to a punishment for being a shit. Yeah, this is pretty brain melting. This is a lot of information up front. Like, this is yeah. we're like, like ten, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This is a, uh, you know, he's just like, we just got to get to it. All right, I got a story to tell. Okay, and there's these yeah. source yeah. books. Look, <laughs> you know, he's like, you, there he's are like, you know, we get books. it. Chapter three. This is where the traitor, uh, you know, kills that dude. We still don't have his, you know, he has a name, but they haven't even said it yet. It just refers to him as the traitor. <laughs> so this is where we get the vibro knife. Vibro blades are horribly efficient for close-in fighting. Power from the backpack is transformed to ultrasonics that vibrate the paracarbaloy blade faster than the eye can see. White hot. 
able to slice tempered steel. See, this is actually the one that I was like, this kind of is dragging on. It's like, I feel like maybe, and this is one of those things, that, and it's funny, I thought that, and then I literally went to, you know, I feel like the concept of a vibroblade at this time in the 80s, maybe if he felt more of a need to explain it where I feel like nowadays, if you have your foot in the door in uh, sci-fi, you've ran into a vibroblade before tons uh, of times. But uh, so that, see, I'm, I'm on the opposite side of where I think that so fits funny. here. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, if you don't know what a vibroblade is or, you know, it's, it is a mechanism of battle tech from this point out. So sure. it's a good explanation of like, here's this tech. And right. this is how we're experiencing this tech. And it does come back around, right? Yeah. I guess with the hatchet man. So yeah. You know, it, comes, it, becomes, a, it uh, becomes an important thing. And I think it's cool. It gives you a little setup. It's not just like he stabs the dude in the back with a knife. You know, you get the vibroblade. It gets a little scarier. Yeah. Back, we're back to sci-fi, boys, and not just a, uh, not just a political right. thriller. I will say it seemed like the vibroblade was overkill, though. Um. All, uh, he all this setup. He totally. Yeah. He didn't need a viral blade, dude. <laughs> like he could. Like <laughs> he could have stabbed the dude. <laughs> yeah. Like you know. Stab him. We we get to we get through. He's like he's hooking it up and everything. And I'm just like this dude just could have like stolen a bayonet from one of the infantrymen and like done exactly the only th- he busts through the table right if I recall correctly and that's like really the only thing he does that maybe a regular knife couldn't have. But he could have just stabbed the dude, I feel like. Or shot him, uh, honestly. Lasers can't be that loud. Uh, that's all. Yeah, I, I felt like it, it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, I got to use a viral. <laughs> so then, the traitor kills the guy. And then he like, you know, it's, you see like, he, you know, he's got like the control board, all the buttons, hits the button. Dan, dan, warning. And then like the bay doors, like you know start to like open up and so yeah this dude killed the guy and then opened up the big doors and there's like alarms going off and shit and uh the trap card yeah is revealed it's been activated yeah yes and then dudes just come through it they have like uh yeah Uh, next came the sharp hiss of silence gunfire and jarring concussion of a hurled grenade a scream rose up from somewhere it was cut short by a second blast generous sound sound suppressed automatic fire Men in neat gray and blue uniforms, guns yammering. Oh, right. And then they're like, so they're like shooting dudes, you know, they're like shooting everyone. And then, and then they like run up on him and, and he's, he's like, Hunter, Hunter. And he's like, you're Stefan. And it's like, you're the traitor. And he's like, come on. And then they take him. And so, yeah, now we got dudes, you know, we got dudes in the building. Yeah, it started. It's kicked off. The book has started here. And you're like, well, this was uh, this is worse than I thought it was going to be. And I thought that was a good little like because they set up the traitor. And I guess in this couple pages, I was like, oh, we just disabled the Mac. That was his job. And then he was going to disable cameras or something. But then it was like, oh, shit, I didn't even think like I didn't think about the base getting attacked or anything like that. It definitely turned. Oh, that's what you meant by it's worse than uh, you thought. Okay, I see. Yeah, because you you kind of expected like, oh, this is going to come out and a bunch of enemies are going to pop out of the ship. And, you know, it's like, oh, this was a little bit more coordinated. This was a well done uh, ambush. And, you know, it it made a lot more sense that the traitor's there then and, you know, the role he's playing. And then they do, like, there's this is a cool action scene as it's going through, you know, the little, like, on-foot fight that happens before we get to the next part of the ambush. You get introduced to some of the small arms stuff that surrounds Battletech, too, um, which sets precedence going forward, too. Yeah, and it's really important to have. Totally. Because, like, in the world of big 
robot mechs, like they're not as scary if you're still just a dude on the ground with a gun. Right. And there are some excellent scenes throughout all of these books that are going to capture that emotion and that feel behind it to make them as cool and as lovable as big, giant, cold mechs can be. Totally. Right, so. Dude's pouring the door, shooting everyone. You know, run up to the traitor. They got the traitor. We learn the dude's name is Stefan. Finally, by the way, Stefan, the traitor. Stefan Amaris. You know, I just think it's funny that it's Stefan. Anyway, I did too. So, dude's coming in the door. Alarm's going off. You know, Griffith, Griffith and Grayson are back in the command center. Gray's all like, you know, who's attacking us? Who is it? And he's like, I don't know, but you know. Ray's on full alert, like patch me into the patrols. And they're looking at the footage from the Phoenix Hawk. And, you know, you can see, you know, you can imagine them looking at the big, and it's like, like it's, and it's, I think, I feel like it's all grainy. You know what I mean? They're watching it like, and like you see the drop yeah. ship, but then like the, and it's like dudes are coming in and it's like, Griff, what's going on? I, I have this hunch that video, uh, that the way they do video is it's video over radio. And so I think that speckling you're talking about is like spot on. It's gotta be. It's gotta be grainy. And video over radio, you know what normal people call that? Uh, television. <laughs> I don't know why I said video over radio. <laughs> it's literally, I think it's probably literally television, as in like, it's broad- broadcast signal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And then <laughs> Captain Carlisle cuts in. He says he's, he reports he's under attack. Particle beam from a turret on the ship. So he gets, uh, what? He gets it with the PPC. Yeah. A, a particle projectile cannon. Oh, wait. And, and then you're like, wait, these dropships, they specifically said they would not. You're right. Earlier, we were like, they would not be armed because they were supposed to be merchant vessels. But then uh, we realized, oh, they are armed, but they weren't even visible at first. Because, you know, like a military dropship, whatever, you know, it's not necessary. You'll see it has guns on it. But this thing, these, uh, these were like concealed. I think they say that concealed weapons. And you realize, oh, so like the dropship. So then Captain Carlisle gets attacked by the dropship. And it's like, oh, no, uh, what's going on? <laughs> the Phoenix Hawk is, uh, you know, Phoenix Hawk's getting shot up. Everyone's around. You learn about, um, you know, there's like, there's like another guy in there with, uh, there's another guy in there with Grayson who, and it says like, oh, this is like the second in command guy. He was supposed to have the, uh, he was supposed to have the Shadow Hawk, but it's, uh, oh yeah, Ernst Hoffman. Ernst Hoffman, pilot of Lance's number two machine. Uh, normally he would be piloting the 55 ton Shadow Hawk, but uh, lay helpless in the repair bay. You know, Griff, we got problems. It's really good. You know, Phoenix Hawk, it's running, you know, like, you know, getting shot at. It's taking fire, you know. Uh, you know, Grayson's watching the screen. Dad, you know, like, and then, oh, yeah, I like this bit. Grayson does, like, look over, remember Olin, remember Olin Vogel? Yeah, and it's like, so, like, Vogel, this was his deal, right? It's like, this was his, like, he's, he just worked. This man came from Tharkad. Right, and Ben and didn't fit 80 days on trail one being like, just let this, I just need this thing to go through. I'm just trying, you know, he's just like, I'm almost out of here, dude. You know, I hate it. So, and what's, so then you see, he's like shocked. So obviously, you know, he, like, he is as surprised as anyone. And uh, what, I, I love, uh, and, uh, you know, he's just like looking at the thing. It's like, what does it say? Uh, Riviera's like, you know, he's watching his career die on that screen. And it's like, damn, and you're like, damn, he's right. You know, like this kid, can you imagine this dude's just like, oh no. Like, oh man, breaks your heart. I, I did know? like that line. That yeah. Probably like as all of that's going through, I was like, man, what a little throw in in there that caught 
like just that that little bringing everything home uh if like trying to like disassociate from all of it and seeing everything that's go down try to maintain control and it's just like the one thing that you can look at as a man just failing life came at the carlisles fast this day yeah uh it uh and it only gets worse it only gets worse from here spoilers Uh. Yeah, right. And so, like, everyone's just, like, watching all this, like, you, you got the alarms going off, dudes pouring through the base, it's crazy, he's watching the Shadowhawk getting shot at, Olin Vogel is, like, you know, like, being, like, you know, wants to die, and then, like, you know, <laughs> the smoke clears, and you see, like, the open hatch of, like, the drop ship, and then something was lurching down the ramp, coal black against the yellow glow. You're, like, and you're, like, what? And, like, zooms in, like, and it's, like, you know, uh, Grayson didn't need the computer ID to tell him what he was seeing. A uh, 75 ton monstrosity. My uh, favorite battle mech still to this day, the Marauder. I don't think they say specifically, but I, I've always presumed it's the 3R variant. Oh, yeah, dude. Gotta be Marauder 3R, dude. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> PPCs, auto cannon on top, the gun on top. Dude, yeah. shout out to the Marauder, right? <laughs> And that is not what I want to see when I'm piloting a Shadowhawk. That's been uh, beat to shit by a dropship, yeah. <laughs> so Phoenix Hawk and Marauder, these are both unseen, oh, sorry, right? Phoenix Hawk, yes. Uh, everything in this is unseen. Everything. More or less. Hold on, let me look at the roster real quick. Uh, I'm pretty sure almost every mech is unseen. Crusader, Griffin, Locust, Marauder, Phoenix Hawk, Rifleman, Shadowhawk, Stinger, Wasp, Wolverine. Everything. Literally every mech mentioned in this book is a uh, unseen mech. And if you're relatively new to Battletech, you will hear that term unseen a lot and then reseen. It's a, it, it really refers to the art over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it refers to the art overhaul of the mech. So you'll see them look a bunch of different ways throughout the history. Uh, the, we are not going to go into that. In no, this podcast, no, just wanted but, to let you know but what that there is. are numerous podcasts out there that will talk about art and podcasts, YouTube videos, etc., that will talk about what the unseen is um and why the unseen is and uh it's complicated. It is it's a complicated thing. It but. is now resolved now and we have some of the best looking versions of these mechs we've ever had though. And uh credit to uh Brent and those other guys over there at uh Catalyst Game Labs. You guys are killing it. Uh but back to yeah, back uh, to it. The Marauder. Will you give us the description of the Marauder, uh, Kanan, as it's yes. walking down? It is. Yeah, he gets shot. Yes, yes, yes. This is, hold on, this little bit. This is with the first, you get the first description of the of the Marauder, dude. This is, uh, just this little, it's like, the Marauder did not share the humanoid appearance of most battle mechs. Instead, its 75 tons of arms and armor were molded into a crab-like body mounted on a pair of oversized legs that knifed back and down in a forward-leading digitigrade stance. We don't get another description of a mech like this, I don't think, ever. I, uh, uh, at least not from where I've read, like, they really killed it, like... Yeah, as it comes up uh, in the next part, because that's like a great introduction. Like, you know, we had just gotten our first taste of mech combat, but it was mech on mech. It was like, it was really well done. It's like, it's what you were holding your breath to see. It was like a mech shooting shit. You get some lasers, laz and shit off and melted 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 armor, armor, melted metal. Um, And then it's like the Marauder shows up and then you get that, that next description of a pair of arms hung suspended from uh, just forward of the leg joints, each mounting a heavy particle cannon. And a laser and over under mounts. 
where the arms and forearms uh, might be expected to be in a living being. Um, and then, you know, the throw on top with the auto cannon from the top. And you're just like, damn, this thing's a weapon. Yes. And, uh, you know, we don't need to know what the particle cannon is at this point, the heavy particle yeah. cannon. They they do such a good job of like they haven't described any mech like this so far like they they make it pretty clear this thing's a problem this yeah uh, dude this man wrote digitigrade <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up do you guys know what yep. digitigrade means uh, a mammal walking on its toes and not touching the ground with its heels as a dog cat or rodent and you're like oh yeah I guess uh, it does yeah it it is like that huh. Uh, pretty good. Digitigrade. I see you. And yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool fucking description is for our introduction to like, oh, we about to get met combat. Yeah. It's like you get this Darth Vader scene. Uh, although that's what, great. Although what happens afterwards, I don't know if I would call it mech combat. Uh, OK, mech massacre. Yeah, uh, it's got a yeah. uh, it's got the crest of Hendrik the third on it. King of Oberon, the bandit warlord. Uh, Which they refer yeah. to, as I previously said, the animal eye. Yeah. Uh, or reptile eye, reptile since eye. you hate uh, alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, no, and then, no. Uh, and, was it like a, a stinger and a locust uh, come out behind it yeah. as well? Right. But I like Not, how it's thrown in as like an afterthought of right. like, this because was they bad are. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the more mechs are scary, but stingers aren't. Even in this time frame, even them being like the most proliferated mech, uh, the Stinger is uh, a medium. It's a vehicle to have a house a medium laser. Yeah, and, uh, it's not that spooky. But unless he, you're infantry, yeah. And then he throws in that little line of even like you know the two of them together is bad enough, right? For the Phoenix Hawk, right? And you know that would be if it was in working order. Um, and then you know it's like, but. Remember, there's still the fucking Marauder. Yeah. That was really good. And I think, as you said, like, this isn't met combat. And I think it was good this wasn't met combat. I yeah. feel like it was good to set this scene because we do get cooler met combat later. But right now you just get poor fucking Grayson's dad getting his ass crushed. Yes. Uh, not literally. Yes. Metaphorically. The Marauder rushes forward and, like... You know, the Shadowhawk's like, oh, because it, it, it's like it had been interesting at this point. Like, it like, it like fires into it. Yeah. So, and like everyone's still watching the screen, right? And so they just see like the Marauder, like, just like rush forward and like, you know, uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, uh, is it, I guess it's, it's Grayson. Wait, what's uh, his, his dad's name is, uh, Carlisle. Carlisle. Uh, yeah. Carlisle. Everyone's watching the screen, right? And they just see like the Marauder just like, it's just like, just like rushes forward and like Carlisle, right? He like, he like sprays into it. But the thing it specifically says the, the Phoenix Hawk like falls over and like lands on its back and the thing just comes up on it. And like, they just see like the, four, you know, the, the big, uh, cause I guess it, it would be like the cannon, right? It would be like the, you know, massive forearm descended like an avalanche of steel, you know, it's just like, and it just smashes down. And the thing goes like, yeah. like static. And Grayson's like, no, you get that short little exchange, you know, the the futile attempt. Um, and then, yeah, the Marauder comes straight over and it's just like, it's over. Uh, they do a good job. And, yes. you know, it's the something chap- where it's like, I wasn't really expecting the dad to die at this I'm, point. I think that's 
that's the punch that they pull here and they do it well. This was the thing that needed to happen. We needed something to give a shit about Grayson. Well, and this immediately makes you feel bad for the guy. The only thing that I think like you could have punched up that feeling a little bit is we get like a page about the uncle or grandpa who didn't like his middle name being death. Right. And we don't get a singular convert, a one-on-one conversation with Grayson's dad and Grayson, except through the monitor. I, I do feel like that's bittersweet, but you also like going back though and thinking like, where would you put it in? They're sprinting. Well, I mean like, in that uh, conversation with the uncle and the name, it could have been like his oh, dad comes in and it's yeah. like Grayson death. Yeah. I and he's like, dad, you know, I don't like being called death. And he's like, well, tough shit, you know, you, you're breaking the rules right. and, you know, you got Kai there and Kai gets to sit there. To, and, to throw in. Yeah. On and it. just yeah. like a little conversation where you get a stature. You, you know what? I looks. agree. You're um, right. Uh, just as it, just as an aside. Totally. That'd be tight. It's brutal. That being said, though, me personally, I'm like, oh, you know, this guy was a jackass, but now you feel bad. You're like this little, you know, he's. He's a young guy. He's made silly decisions, but this how this wasn't what he was expecting yeah. to stay. And uh, it's it, it is a good point to where you're like, oh, the book just changed. Like, right. and I think that's fun. You know, it launches right into it. And we're this not changes the tone, yeah, completely going forward. Uh, I feel. Yeah, that, that's the end of chapter three, and they are the chapters aren't even like that long. We're moving. This this thing does move, but. It becomes more of a uh, a Dune story, as we yeah. referred to it earlier, and it it makes you go like I'm more interested to see what's going to happen to Grayson now from this point on. Chapter four. This one is a pretty straight shot through a little uh, action sequence. You got Grayson and the crew, you know, they're watching everything go to hell in the control room. All that's just went down out on the ferrocrete, as they say. Griff tells Gray they gotta go. Gray's still in shock, you know, the alarms. He's like, we gotta go. And Griff's like, dad's dead. You know, (laughs) Griff tells everyone, guys, you know, we gotta pack up, move out and evac. The crew is very concerned for their dependents. You know, what about our families? Griff assures safe passage. Don't worry, everyone. We'll take care of them. You know, there's like cheers. Like, yeah, he's going to protect our families. I was like, shouldn't. That's, that's like an expectation. I don't know when they're like, yeah, they're going to save our families. I'd be like, what? I, I thought it was funny. They're so happy about it. I'm like, if he said no, I'd just kill him. You know, we're going to save our families anyway. Olin Vogel, he demands special treatment, but Griff's like, no, doesn't he? He grabs a gun and he like points it. It's like, you'll, we'll protect you. And he's like, listen here, mister. <laughs> and he's, you know, terrible. Oh, right. But then of course the doors like blow open and like dudes come pouring through, right? They got like the armor. They got like the black armor, submachine guns, you know, Griff gets shot. That's happening during that whole right. like chaos of everything. You know, you got the Aztec families. They're basically saying like, okay, we got to figure out who we're loading up. Uh, as you said, Vogel's in there like demanding special treatment. He's like, those five guys over there, they'll do. And Griff's yeah. like, uh, no dog. Yeah. 
Vogel's in here treating you like the Wonka factory tour. Like, when do I get the fizzy lifting drink and shit? And Griff's like, not today, son. No. Fancy Steiners for you. Of course, you know, you've got uh, you've got Grayson kind of standing in the background. He's just staring off into the middle distance like, maybe I don't have a dad anymore. And Griff's like, yep. And <laughs> so, of course, you know, they're organizing everything. And when that blast door opens up and we get the most 80s action scene description it was something straight out of like schwarzenegger stallone movie of like yeah. dudes like rolling in you're like everyone's wow. firing from the hip like it's i, I it, it's, it is there's like sparks yeah going off on like handrails yeah. for like no reason it is very 80s i can't put a finger on what exact piece that made it feel 80s overall but as a set piece it is an 80s action movie so the line that made it feel super 80s to me is when they, you know, bring up the dim red lighting. They plunge into the bay in headlong dives that brought them rolling up to one shoulder, sub guns chattering and sharp. And I was like, man, like I can just see like the the coordinated role effort where they've got it all choreographed and timed out. And you see the mech base all of a sudden producing sparks from yeah. all the machines for no reason. And the camera like zooms in on Griff and Grace and they're just like, shit. So yeah, very, very cool eighties little action scene where everybody's just shooting each other and yeah. everybody's dead all of a sudden. We get some little like, technological bits that let us know that this is retro futuristic. We've got caseless ammunition in our submachine guns. With the extra sci-fi elements of like, it's almost silent. No recoil. (laughs) And you're like, oh man, these things would be rad. The TK rifle. TKs, that's right. They fire caseless ammunition, three millimeter slivers of soft metal, like high velocity explosives that balloon on impact. Mass Effect had those uh, weapons where they were just like little rail guns that trimmed a sliver of metal yeah, off and like yeah, sent them. Mass Effect. I totally thought of yeah. Mass Effect. See, Absolutely. I would I wouldn't mean to like Absolutely. judge Dread weaponry, uh, <laughs> which which was cool. Totally. Yeah. Like yeah. this is something where when you're in these books, you were here for the pulp, and we got pulp here. Yeah, it's so, pulp, and it's fun pulp, and you know that's one thing. When it's fun pulp, that's all you need. It's like dudes with Uzis and katanas. Yeah. You know, screens, the CRT monitors, they're like flickering. Yeah, somebody's busting out random gymnastic routines, and <laughs> you're just like, I'm here for it. Except it's 1,000 years in the future. Yes. <laughs> you're like, wow, things really do come back into fashion. <laughs> it's an action scene. It's a nice little set piece. It's fun. Uh, it's punchy. And one comment, and I might be getting ahead of the curb here, uh, Griff dies twice from our perspective, and I, I was like, I've, I've been wrestling with this because I just recently, like prior to recording, re- re-listened to specifically this scene. I was like, I can't decide if I actually think it's even necessary or not because he, uh, uh, Grayson thinks he dies, then he gets hit by some noxious gas. And yes. then and then we cut to commercial break after right. Noxious Gas comes in. And then we come back and it's like, oh, shit, Griff's alive. However, I do understand why Griff has to die twice here. And the reason is, is because Griff gives us the first element of the foreshadowing of the raid. When we're going to get to it here in a minute. And I will come back to that point once we get to it. Because Oh, so uh, I am getting ahead. I uh, see. Not too much because like Griff dies here. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, shit, paralytic gas is coming in. Um, and then Grayson takes a nap for a little bit. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, he's fucked. And next thing you know, it's 
oh, Grayson's waking up in the midst of all this. Like, I assume what feels like 10 minutes later. And, you know, it's now the 80s actions team has traded out all the guns for brooms and they are here cleaning up the scene, murdering whoever's left. Uh, I do have tactical questions with that, which is why not lead with the paralytic gas? But because then you don't get sparking mech factory 80s action scene. <laughs> but that was my only gripe is I was like, oh, OK, well, no, it's OK. We will let you have your tactical corner when you need it. You know, the dudes come in like, damn, 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 and like the doors blow open and it's like, like they have like Uzis. But then now after everything blown up, paralytic ass is done. We have Grayson taking his little nap, wakes up immediately. He's like back into it. You know, he's like, oh, shit, Griff's still alive. When I first read it, I was like, oh, cool. Griff's going to be around for a while. Right. That's uh, exactly <laughs> my first time reading it. I was also like, oh, cool. Because I liked Griff. Uh, yeah. He was out yeah, of we the, talked about it in the last yeah, series. Exactly. The, out of the characters, I was like, eh, like I, I like Griff. Let's see more of him. I think we do get a fun little bit uh, right after, you know, Griff's alive. Oh, they're in terror getting people looks like you know the cleanup crew as i said earlier is doing their job and then that's where we get olin vogel shows back up and he's like have you guys heard of diplomatic immunity uh and they were like no and well uh, there's one thing i want to point out here that i really liked and it's something that i feel like as as we get further and further from the succession wars in these stories we get kind of away from the kind of neo-feudalistic, kind of almost space dark age. This is a really good example of this society in a lot of ways takes a lot of cues from ancient Terra feudalistic society in the Middle Ages. And officers are often, uh, what's the word? Ransomed. Ransomed. They explicitly say, and I actually think that was going to be my Boone statement here, thing I really want to compliment, is that is one of those offhand comments that he could have gone into a long description and distracted from the scene, but threw it out as a one sentence, you know, nobles are often ransomed, often worth a good amount of money. So for pirates, it makes total sense that they would ransom this dude and then just... uh, Which is a good vehicle for the plot, right? We get an idea that like, oh, these guys don't give a shit about that. They have other motives. Well, and that's a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, it becomes that first moment of that and then we get that follow up. Grayson does not so. put it together, however, uh, at all. He's uh, and, no. And, and to be fair, well, he's, he does uh, actually. He he does have a statement where he's like, "Why would they do that? This doesn't make any sense." Because it would be worth a lot more if to pirates. But, but I mean, he doesn't like he he takes note of it, but he doesn't use this. Isn't of a, a part of the vehicle that has him figuring out what's really going on here. oh yeah yeah, yeah. And, it's just the uh, it's the first tackles up moment for him and uh to grayson's credit you know everything's going to hell right now totally like, yes. not the time to think about the big picture <laughs> right 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 i feel like this uh going back to that mary sue bit we talked about last episode i feel like this book really shows uh grayson coming into his own and i like i actually like that he's kind of ignorant yeah, as we go on to this point where it's like it's taking him that time, like he hasn't had to think about this stuff like this before. So, you know, as it's going through and yeah, he has that Vogel would have been worth millions to a pirate in that that moment where it's like, OK, he is paying attention. So you are seeing glimpses of it. Like I said, that consistency with Grayson has been there from that very beginning. And I feel like Keith is doing a great job keeping that up totally. throughout this throughout these next couple sections and we'll be talking about it just to finish up the feudalism bit like i i like that they he threw that in there it really kind of it's a really a nice little bit of world building for someone reading into battletech and kind of learning about battletech for the first time you know even if they don't completely 
put all the pieces together there, like it at least flavors the water a little bit. So he gets hit with the gas grenade, right? He passes out. Um, he decides later he must have lost consciousness. He comes to, right? We see that Griff is alive, barely. Uh, then the bad guys in like sick, like black, like black on black, like sneaking suits with like visors, like face visors. Like how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. And like his goons and they all have like sick sneak suits. And he like, he like wakes up and they're going around like interrogating all the survivors. Right. Like you said, Vogel makes a deal with them. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very uh, valuable. You could ransom me. It's actually, I noticed that the war leader kills him immediately after Vogel mentions, I've been in close contact with your king. And the dude's like, and then shoots him. And he, by your king, he was implying Hendrik. However, of the Oberon um, Confederation. These men, as we learn shortly, are not these, you know, these aren't the same dudes. So cool, though. They have like this like, black suits. Totally. I'm like, how cool is this, dude? I know. And then later, you know, these are, the, this is like some DEST. I love them. Yeah, Vogel tries to make a deal with them for ransom, but he gets snuffed. You know, Lamo. <laughs> uh, oh, right. And then Stefan the Aztec is with him. You know, Griffin is like, he sees him. Remember Stefan, boys. He was the man who planted all the bombs and sabotaged the Shadowhawk and whatever. Uh, Stefan, yeah, he's like, oh, that's the captain's kid. And Grayson's like, oh, fuck. And Grayson recognizes him. He's like, oh, that's that Aztec. I remember we recruited some Aztecs. There was like a fresh crew that came in and he's like, you know what? That was right around the time all that civil unrest started occurring. Come to mention it. Anyway, it's probably nothing. <laughs> so, then, yeah, Gray is like, oh, man, is this the dude that, oh, come on. So Gray figures, all right, they're probably going to come over here and like shoot me too, right? So he initiates melee combat, you know, roll initiative. <laughs> uh, he, uh, it says he goes for like a kick, like right off the jump, Grayson's like, I'm going to kick him. And the dude like chops it down, like, Wacha! and then, uh, but he manages to grab the dude's faceplate and like, like pull it off. And like, surprise, it's like an angry man with like a black beard. They describe the visor that they have on the sneak suits, that the inner surface of the play is lined with receptors and a high-tech enhancer that projects images directly into the wearer's retinas, right? And it's like this full face mask. How cool is that? I was like, this shit's, it's so future. This doesn't even come up later. What is this tech? Like, it's kind of wild for the succession wars, right? It really, it really shows that there's something that either a anachronistic or that these guys are of of a higher level of playing field and that they've got some super sneaky hardware. Well, but the, for the first time you're reading this, you would have no idea. Exactly. Because this is your first step. And this is, you know, this is the first step into battle tech as well. Totally. So, you know, we're feeling out tech. And you know what? We're getting cool shit for it. And, uh, but you know, it's so funny, right? And, you know, he's like scowling at Grayson, like, ooh, I'll kill you. And then, like, you hear Griff, like, off screen, like, sing, you animal. And then the dude turns around like, brat, and like, you know, Isis Griff. And then he shoots him across. He gives him like the old big boss. Yeah. Or something. The the grazing shot. And that was to bring it back to our original discussion about Griff dying twice. I feel like that was the mechanism because they needed someone still there and a character that could identify that this was a person because they mentioned Grayson's like, this guy kind of looks familiar. And then Griff immediately is like, fucking sing. And then he's like, that's a guy, that, but it's it's just a moment, and then the, they have to shoot him again. That was the conclusion I also came to was that like eventually looping around in my head, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, okay, we did need this, and honestly, I think even dramatically speaking, it's more punctual. It makes his death a little bit more like oof. Uh, yeah, it 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 gets behind you. 
Griff knows who Singh is. Mm-hmm. Yes. We find out who Singh is not too long after this. Yeah, actually, it's all, it's only like a chapter and a half away. But it's like, oh, what does that mean? You know, it is interesting Look, reading this now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he knows who Singh was. I forget if they revisit that. But in in something from a promise that I made in the first chapter, after, you know, Griff is shot, uh, the war leader comes up, who we now know as Singh, uh, and pops around into Grayson. You know, uh, fucks up the point blank shot where he rolled uh, snake eyes on that shot and walks away. Another moment where I mentioned earlier about things that makes things seem really incompetent and then further gets explained later without any hint at the time of why the incompetency would happen. This would be like not following up until he's being thorough with everything else, but then just pops Grayson once, walks away and just like, fuck it, somebody else's problem now. And I feel like as they explain that, like they could have had a brief, like Stefan come out from the side being like, we got to hurry. Like uh, we, the charges we set are going to go off or something like that. That means they got to get out of here. Like everybody in this room's dead anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then that gives them that ability to when they come back to kind of focus on that point instead of just like, eh, good enough. <laughs> I see blood. He must be dead. I understand why, you know, let's, let's be honest. Grayson's the protagonist here and has a bit of plot armor. So the expectation is that. Yeah. He's going to live. yeah. But I, I agree. I do wish there was a little something. Another thing that back to that, like what makes this feel eighties is there's a little saying like, and it's right after this transition, I'm actually getting slightly ahead, but contextually it's important here. It's mentioned that the guy fires a single shot. And if he had let a burst out, that but Grayson would probably be dead, which is much more an eight. It, it's a very like eighties way of like thinking where it, the most modern militaries like almost exclusively use semi-automatic with exception to totally uh, machine guns and other things for avenues of approach. The eighties were all about machine pistols Exa- that had like <laughs> exactly. you know, every. And, and so I just, uh, that was another little thing that it was like, oh, this is a little like time castle because it's clear, uh, William H. Keith Jr. did some research here. It was just research at the time, you know, caseless ammunition and everything like that was very much like the, that's what the future looks like in the like early nineties. And so like, it's clear he did these research, but it's definitely very like through the lenses of the times. Uh, I'm done being a nerd now. Yeah. So for those of you listening that bought tickets to Tactical Corner, uh, you're getting your money's worth. Chapter five. This is where Grayson wakes up in the house with that dude. <laughs> yeah, Clayton. Clayton. Yes, Grayson. He recognizes him from the, how much, from like the regiment, from the, what are they, he, like their company? He was a, ze- a senior Aztec. Uh, yeah, he was an Aztec. Yeah. Gray recognizes him as senior Aztec Clayton from Riviera's team. He's like, oh yeah, you're on Riviera's team. And then, okay, there's this bit where he says, he lies to him. Hold on. Yeah. I like got, I got hung up on this. I like, okay. Yeah. He's like, man, I recognize you, dude. You were on Riviera's team. And Bladen's like, yeah, I was up there looking for Sergeant Riviera. He was a friend, you know, Uh, he taught me everything I know about teching. And then Grayson says, well, the book reads 
I know he spoke highly of you, Grayson lied. <laughs> Grayson's like, ah, yes, he, yes, Clayton, he, he said you were his favorite. <laughs> and he's like, that never happened. He just like made that shit up. That's so funny. I'm just saying, the doctor claims there was no brain damage, but I think he was mistaken. <laughs> if you look at the actions he takes over the next several chapters, you're like, I just think they didn't have the equipment to properly assess what happened here. He looks Clayton right in the eyes. It's like, Riviera went to a farm upstate. Uh, and it's like, I worked with this dude every day. Like That dude never said nice things about anyone. You're a shitty liar. He doesn't call him out on it, though, because yeah. Clayton's cool and polite and as we go through this whole conversation i actually really like clayton and i don't know because i am not farther ahead if we see clayton again but if we do it'd be cool but i feel like we get some indication of that later so i i my fingers are crossed Clayton tells him this is his father's house. His father is baronier baronier is a merchant who would do business with even though they were trelawanese they didn't have any hackles about doing business with the uh, offworlders, Carlisle's commandos. Yeah, the offworlders, which is, if you will, which is this is where you really start to see that there's really. So I, I guess you get a little bit with the Aztec scene early on, but you now you're really getting to see kind of the cultural divide between yeah, the offworlders. This was a world building chapter, yes. through Clayton, and you know what. This was something in the first chapter where I talked about some of these things where it's like, oh, if we could get some world building more natively in here. This was a well done chapter of world building, totally natural conversation. And I feel like that made it really cool. You learned a lot about Clayton. You learned a lot about the planet. And Grayson sits there and basically is like drooling. uh, And he's like, can I go home now? And Clayton's (laughs) like, no. (laughs) And I... And you also can't stay here. (laughs) (laughs) He's fucking flip the sign around from open to close in front of him. Grayson gets all puffy, right? He's like, why does everyone hate me so long? It's like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy. You know, I don't understand why this is. And then, you know, Clayton's just got to be like, look, he's like, you know, because you guys were leaving and you were, and then these pirates were going to come in and be the new cops. Right. And you knew this, but you didn't tell us. And you intentionally didn't tell us. And then, but but the dudes who you were going to let, or you're going to let come be the new cops, you know, the last time they raided us, they literally almost burned the town to the yeah. ground and they killed my mother. So it's like, you need to be a little sense. It's like, we might be a little. <laughs> you might not be putting all the pieces together. I need, like, this is literally one of the worst things that could happen. <laughs> like, you need to understand. You would have a hard time making these people more angry. <laughs> like, it is, it's incredible. <laughs> like, <what laughs> Grayson immediately follows that up with like, but have you thought about my feelings? And then Clayton's like, yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> this, this whole thing, I think, you know, obviously it's not humorous if this was real, but it is very Lyrian AF. Like, it is very much the, like, we've written a check to these people, and they're going to deal with our problems, and we're not thinking about the repercussions of our actions at all. Yes. And as Clayton lays out for the rest of this, they're like, that is 
status quo. Uh, <laughs> you are aware of this, Grayson. Why aren't you? And uh, like I said, it continues on. You know, it's a great, there's not a whole lot to talk about it because there's a, there's a lot of the world building. So as you read through it, you understand that world building. You get a lot of information on Trowan. You Trow get one. a lot of information yeah. on Trowan. I knew you commented last time a little bit about the amount of detail they went into the stuff, but I actually, I miss this going forward. We don't always get the nitty gritty about the planets we're on. Very, very few, if any, Battletech books I've read describe a location in detail like this book. It's wild. I think we get a little bit with Vervandi in the next book, if I recall, but it's not even, even then it's not at this level. We get, he writes right here in this chapter, right here in the middle is this whole paragraph about their time system. Because Grayson asks him, you know, how long have I been out? And he says, uh, you know, 70 hours or so. You know, yeah, uh, it was three standards days. You understand Uh, our timekeeping? Yeah. And then he has this whole. Yeah, like this self-realization, like this panic moment. But that way it gives you a good opportunity to explain everything. Covers it really well. And because we're out of a tent scene, it fits in nice and it doesn't matter. Like you're you're not like, we got to get back to the action now. You're like, I'm good. Everybody that we have been introduced to in this book is now dead. So let's get the fresh characters in. It. That's something I haven't thought about. We have like a whole like um, revolving, door. revolving door of characters here, which is peculiar for, for the literature. next couple chap- chapters. <laughs> yeah. And I keep like, because I'm only in these very beginning parts, I'm like, are these people coming back? And uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> you get the sense that they're not because they get all of the fucking like I, Kung Fu walk away. I actually, the I actually kind of sometimes wonder because. It's it's alluded to, and I'm skipping a little bit ahead here, it's alluded to that some of the Carlisle commandos get off-world. Yes, they do have that in this chapter right. that is described. Okay, like, good. I saw so the jump ship go. Uh, the pirates, luckily, the, they didn't have a fighter to shoot is, it down. The thing is, though, like, you would be like, well, surely the, whatever remnants are going to form, you know... Some, you know, maybe they wouldn't be the Carla. You never, or, you know, you would think Grayson would check up on him, like, once he gets off world. Spoilers. But no, that never happens. And uh, I sometimes always think about the remnants of Carla's commandos. Where'd they go? Where did they go? You know, we're going to get to Mercenary Star again. But I remember, I was like, where'd they go? Like, I don't, like, what what happened to his dudes? Like, they, I, I to my knowledge, dude, but there are some I haven't read. They The books continue. Maybe they address it. I don't know. But it, it is very funny because I thought it would happen sooner. I thought it would be like a plot point that he would reunite totally. with his dudes. But it like no. doesn't. Anyway. Could you imagine, though, that those dudes now like it's like, oh, the only leadership that's left is Grayson? Peace. I am not coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they know. They know. First chapter that. Grayson. <laughs> yes. And uh, maybe they they read the writing on the wall. Uh, yes, I see that. I mean. Mercenary Star is a story about like the worst mercenary contract of all time. <laughs> like, it's like that's like what that book's about. That shit sucked. Let's not because I desperately want to talk about yeah. that book, but let's uh, pull back. We'll get to it in the future. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stick with us. Yeah, We're get getting there. So Grayson asks about the remnants of Carlisle's commandos, and Clayton tells them. He tells them. That they had some resistance on their way out. He mentions, like, yeah, they had to fight their way out, but most of them got away. They got on the drop ships, and uh, they got away safely. The Gray's like, cool, but he's like, damn, you know. I done been left for dead, though. <laughs> like, everyone think, you know, I'm, like, alone. 
Uh, and he, he, you know, he gets really sad about it. The last couple of paragraphs or so are just him like, and for the rest of the book. <laughs> so as sad boy Grayson uh, <laughs> takes that, like, I'm left for dead. And then he like kicks back and Clayton's bed and kind of is like, oh, I guess I live here now. And Clayton once again reminds him. And so like he's been standing with the like main door open the whole time, like ushering him out. Uh, he's like, no, like you're gone for good. I saved your life. I've done above and beyond everything that I should do. I don't hate you, but I don't like you. I, so get I, I out. did love the like Grayson asks him why he saves him. And he's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I laughed out loud the first time I read through it. It was good. I, I felt like Keith had a moment where he's like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think there was any explanation he could have come up with but that would have worked for it. So I don't know it was perfect. Uh, you know, normally I'd say like, oh, you know, this needed to happen, vehicle, plot armor, vehicle for the plot, etc. But uh, this one actually feels kind of realistic. Like people do this shit. I've done this shit. I'm just yeah. like, why did I help this person out there and ass? <laughs> No, and it worked for it. Grayson realizes he's been left for dead, and uh, it ends with him sinking into his pillow because he still needs to rest because he's fairly injured. Chapter six. Remember, this one opens with uh, this whole several paragraphs, just detailing the city of Sargod. Like it talks about their red dwarf. It's like Periasteron. It's a low light red dwarf, so you can look at it without your eyes hurting. However, it does occasionally ravage the populace with pretty severe solar storms. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I do like this bit about how Sargod was originally planned. To be under a, like a dome, like Pharaoh Creek, completely sealed in. But that unfortunately was before humanity decided to pour all of its resources into several centuries of nonstop warfare. But like all the streets and stuff are covered and they're like strung with lights like everywhere. The vibes sound crazy. They're under this red dwarf in this weird desert and they have like every, all the streets are covered. There's like Pharaoh Creek coverings and slabs over everything, but there's still parts where the dome was half constructed out there. Without the water per se, I always in my head, I've always envisioned this as a, a bit Mediterranean, you know, Mediterranean without the water, like a little, it's a little Arab, a little Spanish. It's, I don't know what brought me to that totally. idea, but that's kind <laughs> of the vibe yeah. I got. You know, The vibe I got is that, uh, Trellwan has created the Trell people into people that now hate interfere <laughs> bureaucracy, and uh, they are adept at putting up with bullshit all the time. So when they're pissed off about things, I feel like they were right. Uh, yeah, I'd go ahead and listen to them. Yeah, uh, because it sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> and Grayson is a good character to have to live on this planet for a little while. That's true. It does squeeze some character out of yeah. him, as we will see. Spoilers. So Grayson, Grayson hangs out with these dudes for like two more of those 15 hour days, you know? And then it's just like, he just, it goes into, he's hanging out. What did they do? You know, I don't know. Play board games. They just quietly stare at him, like saying like, you can leave, like you can leave anytime. And Grayson's like, I don't think I will. And it's 30 hours of that. Right. And Baroneer's talking to him. 
Baronir's here now, right? Because this is like two days later. So the father is here, so he's talking to Baronir. And, uh, you know, they're chopping it up. They're having a good time. And he tells him, you know, there's no trade ships coming in or out right now. But give it, uh, you know, 10 or so, you know, three days, and trade will surely kick it up again. You remember that previous section with the complicated... Day system, yeah. The complicated uh, 732-hour day divided into night and day segments called first day, first night, so on, with three days and nights equal to two of the planet's years. Each segment divided into 12 periods of 15 and a quarter hours each. You guys remember every, you know. Yeah, crystal clear. Easy. You didn't have to have a and, notebook to take that down to remember it immediately or not right. read it eight times in a so, row. So, yeah, Grayson does the math. It takes him a while because remember, head injury, you know, and he realizes, <laughs> you know, 10 to three days, that's like two and a half years. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's so he's like, yeah, there's another a spaceship will probably come again in like two years. And Grace, damn, dude, like he's going to have to, he's literally like, I'm going to have to get a job. <laughs> you know he's like this sucks and they're like yes you will have to get a job and find somewhere else to stay yeah. like like we are like this affects us so much more than you right now yeah but, it's some real first world problems i mean i don't get me wrong the guy just went through a lot like it's just i, I love that both clayton and his father just sit there and it's like this is fucking business as usual for us. Like we have this shit timed out how often this stuff has happened to right. us. And Grayson's like, but what about me? And they're yeah. like, sorry, kid. Uh <laughs> brings up like immediately, like, I can't say I'd be sorry to see you go. Or I I won't say I'm sorry to see you go. It is dangerous for you to stay here. And he's just like, like foot down moment, like after the 30 hours that Grayson's yeah. been moping around and them staring at him. Uh, he's just like, get the fuck out. I mean, the guy's dad just died. He gets a little moping around, but. Yeah, but they're like, we're going to die if yes, you stay here any longer. Exactly. And Grayson's like, I don't think that's going to affect me, though. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk about in his conversation with Baronier. It's like, you know, you know, Grayson's like, I got to go. And he's like, you know, set a sea go, but it is dangerous. And, uh, you know, I don't blame you personally. And Grayson's like, ah, you have the neighbors to consider. I understand. Yes. And he's like, Barrier's like, but I am grateful for your help. Grayson's like, what are you grateful for? And it's like, I'm grateful for what your people bought the trail on. You know, I don't mean, uh, he's like technology, science to combat superstition, education. My son Clayton learned much in his years of working at the castle. It did good in the way it taught you to think, son. There are multiple ways of looking at the problem. Some good, some bad. You have learned to apply scientific method to your thoughts, to think critically, rationally. That is the treasure that these star men brought with them. They will not take it away with them again. What? This is wild. I thought this was a very interesting little bit here. I read it a couple times and I was like... There's something going on here, though. You could, like, unpack this. <laughs> I was like... There's, I just wanted to shout it out. And you almost feel like it's almost a glimpse as to, like, why they even helped Grayson in the first place, uh, despite it being the the possibility of trouble. I do I do feel like it really kind of gives – it gives you a lot of flavor to the Trelwanese. Again, in, in a lot of Battletech books I've read up until now, I feel like we don't get a lot of time with the locals. And this little bit – is is kind of cool where they give us these little we we really get a uh, a piece of the culture. Yes, Grayson decides he's going to go see Chief Minister Stanick because he's a man who can get stuff done. And 
turns out Stanek's daughter is Grayson's girlfriend. Yep. The one he was uh, out seeing. When he was late, early on. A few days ago now, at the beginning of the book. The one Griff yelled at him about. So this is where he gives them the clothes. Yeah, as they give him the final boot. This is where he gives them, and the, the boots don't fit quite right or whatever, but it helps him. And he's like, should I dye my hair? And he's like, no, uh, it's, you know, it'll be fine. It really wasn't fine. And uh, so he's moving through the city streets. He's going to Mara's place. I think they just wanted him out of the house at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's great. Like, yeah, go, yeah, see, yeah, you know, the go see the man in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, nothing matters at this point. Grayson's like, should I dye my hair? I don't think I should. Um, and then, like, it's going <laughs> to clash with my outfit. Um, and then he fucking, like, dips out with his ill-fitting boots and his cloak. And he's like, that's definitely going to cover all of my bases. And, like, Clayton literally spent days telling him, like, you cannot be seen. You cannot do this. And Grayson, to a point, takes that into consideration. But we return immediately to the mindset of, like, well, that doesn't apply to Commonwealth people. Uh. (laughs) So, he's going to Mars' apartment. He's almost there. And he's, like, like right in front of the apartment building. He's about to go up the steps when some guards stop him. And they tell him to pull his hood off, right? They're like, well, I don't know you or whatever. And he pulls the hood off and all the blonde hair comes out because he didn't dye it. In the audiobook, he's like... Oh, we got one of those bandits. <laughs> yeah. And then the chapter ends. Very good. So these dudes got him at gunpoint. Chapter seven, which is the whole bit where he's running and he ends up. Well, he he has he has a moment right at the beginning of chapter seven where like the guy's like, I'm Grayson. That'll definitely throw this off and ease this scenario. And then as that doesn't, he immediately like rages out on the guy and he's like, I'm Grayson Carlisle, the guy you hate, the family you hate and everything you hate right now. Doesn't that get me anything? And then the guy's like, I think I'm going to shoot you. Uh, (laughs) He does. It's so funny because seconds before he's like, I don't want to tell him my last name because Trelawanese don't have last names. Yeah, it lasts 30 seconds. 30 seconds and uh, hood off and foot in mouth. Yeah, the dude, what, he he takes off running and the dude shoots in the air like, oh, stop. But he's like running. You get him wildly. He He runs into some... Other guys, some young man almost knocks him over. Get some Lyrian parkour going on. There. He ends up in the back alleys, right? This this whole thing, you remember he's in the back alleys with a bunch of derelicts. Yeah. They keep referring to them as derelicts. It's like homeless people. And like I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, they talked and it was like, it was just Mud Street. He he ran his way to Mud Street. You know, he, he takes off his bandages and his boots off because he's like, oh, these boots are too new. And he rubs a bunch of mud on himself and he gets some like empty liquor bottles and like huddles in like the corner the corner of the you know near like the sewer drain and then the guards come up and they're like hey and they kick him and he's like what he's like i don't know anything i I, I think he starts the the book i think describes it as like he laughs hysterically he's like (laughs) he's He's like i'll just be drunk he like overplays it immediately 
And right as he's like panicking, the whole time he's like, they're right behind me. I got to do this real quick. And then he's like, I'm going to hide my bandages in trash and I'll take my boots off and put them right next to me. It's some, it's uh, some real like Scooby-Doo shit though, because one, one <laughs> set of the guards shows up and like, he's like, oh, these guys aren't too scary. They're like, they're clearly kind of just like the lower, like, and then another group shows up, but this one's got a nice little officer with them. And he's like, uh-oh, yep. uh, the gig like- might be up. And they're literally talking in front of him. Yeah. And then like the first thing they do is look at him because he put the boots like right next to him and then the bandages are right across from him. He did not hide. He didn't even like chuck him, like not try to tie those things and get them on the power lines. He just put them down. And then he's like, this is an impenetrable disguise. Uh, well, I'll just, no, he, he, I, I, yeah, yeah, he, does, I, he doesn't I, believe in it. He's just like, I guess I'll be drunk. And I guess this is the only thing I, I think. I think this was def- definitely out of desperation. Like, I, I want to make fun of uh, young Grayson as much as the next guy. But I, I feel like this was like, he was a man out of options. Like, uh, Why? I'm just a drunk old man. Yeah. He's like, sir, that is a bottle of extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> it's like, what? I like, I like that they immediately so, punish it. They were just like, yeah. the first thing they do is like, him in the foot and then he's like i'm drunk <laughs> yeah. uh and then- i would too he deserves it <laughs> a nice little bit of causality yeah because the first thing they say is like everybody meets together and he's like yeah he's probably hiding a street scum sir and then he's like yep and grace is <laughs> just like like bead of sweat down face yep. uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just like- as they as they find the one man covered head to toe in mud despite everybody else and they're like maybe it's this one and it, it i felt like that was really fun which then enters uh, stage right, the next to Griffith, my second favorite character. Actually, maybe he's my first because he lives a little bit longer. I might be able to help you, Lieutenant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Renford Tor. See that pipe? Bella came tearing in here maybe a minute ago. Stripped off his boots. Dude, the, the voice that Trend does for him is so dope. It is. By the way, I, I love it. He's so smooth. This dude's smooth as velvet. Renford, <laughs> this is Han Solo at home is what yeah. we get. Uh, but he's cool. I like him. Renford tours a Chad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This dude rules. It is something that, as he points out and basically says, like, ah, fucking went on the roof. Uh, and the guards, I feel like because we had that whole scene with the whole like explanation of Trowan and the Clayton's explanation of everything. It's like, this makes total sense that these guards would be like, must've happened that way. Uh, like, so it's like, well, why didn't they see anybody back? It doesn't matter. Like they barely care enough. He says something to the, like he scurried up the, uh, piping there. You see chucking his boots off and they were like, yeah, that checks out. I, he's trying to double back on us, which would be a good plan if he had managed to pull it off. And then they go running off. It's okay. He he was a drunk man in the street, which is a yes. much better plan as long as you have <laughs> friend Fred there to cover your ass for your shitty yeah. plan. And basically just kind of like looks at him. He's like, why'd you help me? He's like, well, Renfred Tor. Well, you, you, I'm an off-worlder. Yeah, you do get some, uh, you get some like, you, we come back to the surnames and it's like, oh, he's like me. But you, you can get, he's like, is he just sizing me up to see whether he should actually send me to the guards? You know, you get a little like awkward... Uh, conversation and some of Grayson's thoughts. Yeah, and like, as none of them amount really to anything, because Renfred's just like, I think I'm in control here. I'm thinking things through, and Grayson's like, am I going home now? Everybody keeps saying no. And he's like, well, what are you doing? Or how did you get here? What's happening? And he's just like, yeah, I'm the one that brought all these people here. I brought the I brought the dropship. And that's where the chapter ends, Yeah, which I thought was funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, the it's like that's the commercial. That's where it cuts to credits for that episode. Right. It's like, oh me, I'm the pilot who piloted the dropship, and it's like, doo doo. Yeah, it is a funny after break. Not to steal your thunder, Kanan, but I love the opening to the next chapter. It plays out kind of like this, like storied vignette. We get like the narrator's voice. It's it's the flashback of the opening of the next episode of like we get the whole like oh you know this guy that you like a lot more than Grayson right now let's go into his story and then like oh now we can go back to Grayson yes. as he's still staring and at he's him. like and he's like really cool he's really cool you're like oh this dude's such a Chad it's some real like, Malcolm Reynolds like, Han Solo BS yeah him and his boys just got like really drunk and we're like let's buy a drop ship and then they. <laughs> You know, they're like, let's name it the Invidious. By the end of the an evening of Drunken. And he's like, we have done everything in our power to su- survive in the inner sphere, despite the inner sphere wanting us uh, broken dead. And then he's like, so we just took any contract. You know, yeah. where the money came from, we were there. And he's like, it was a good run while it lasted. And explains just how that came to a uh, unceremonial halt. Uh, yeah. And, but then. All of that leads into that moment where it's like, oh, but now we can follow up more onto the thread of foreshadowing of like, oh, this is a bigger operation. Like he literally lays it out there and like ABC building blocks for Grayson to start going like, maybe this wasn't pirates. Uh, (laughs) And still doesn't quite get it, though. Yeah, I I like where he does the like straight up. I'm explaining this to you. I'm staring at it. I see your eyes drifting. The head wound must be getting to you, Grayson. And when he says... uh, Hell, I thought it was some bandit competitor of Hendrix. But when they came aboard, they were all wearing Hendrix wear. But Hendrix old boys aboard the ship, they went up the airlock. No fuss. And I was just like, oh, well, that's as plain and simple as it gets. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, everybody affiliated with uh, Hendrix guys aren't here anymore. Yeah, these aren't the same dudes. Grayson. <laughs> These are it's, There was a bit of a change of command. Yeah. And and then Grayson follows it immediately with like, they killed him? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, remember, I like it. Renfrew Torrey tells the story of, you know, he's looking for jobs. He runs into the proctor of House Mylai. And House Mylai gives him the job shuttling passengers for this deal. You know, shuttling uh, for the whole Oberon 6, Trail 1 thing. Yeah, leading him to meeting Vogel. He's like, we need you to work this. We need you to work this. He admits, or puts it together. He's like, you know, I realize now that they probably just suspected something was fishy and they didn't want to risk their own equipment or personnel. So they just got some like cheap, like dropship to do it because they were like, they knew something was up. They knew some, something was going to go down. And eventually he gets boarded by Hendrix boys at a jump point. Well, he thinks they're Hendrix. Like he says, they come in, they jump in. And there's another jump ship there, right? So his jump ship comes in because he is, he's a drop ship attached. attached to a jump ship. And he comes in, but there's another jump ship there. And they board him. He gets boarded by Hendrix boys at a jump point. They throw all those dudes out the airlock, like Aaron said, and they take over the ship. Not only that, but they load a bunch of mechs and stuff. And he has that bit. He's like, the mechs they were loading were like a bunch of junky. There was like kind of a beat up marauder. And some wasps and locusts or whatever, I think. 
But the one that was running the place was like really nice. It had like fresh paint. Uh, it looked like a really sweet. It was like a black and red Marauder. You're like, oh, black and red Marauder. He says that like when he's like when they started loading mechs, he said all the mechs like they were nice and new, like high class machines, new paint, clean parts. One of them was the Marauder. And that was where like he once again continues to like snap his fingers to get Grayson's attention. These are not pirate mechs like he keeps following. And he's like, these should have been salvaged to hell. These are anytime you see a pirate mech. It's a piece of shit. These are nice. Not pirate. And at this point, I feel like this is when the audience really, even if you aren't paying attention up till now, I feel like here's where, even if you were kind of, uh, don't get it, this is where you kind of like see that there's something else going on here. But Grayson, not so much. We'll keep it with the head wound theory. Yes. (laughs) If, if we got to give Grayson something sometimes. I think he's just young and ignorant. We, we, yeah. They set the stage early on, like saying, you know, he was more worried about hanging out with Mara than he was about going to whatever lessons he was supposed to. Yeah. And I think this is a little bit. This Like is, I said, it's consistent. Yes. It is something where it's like he didn't just snap into action. He's just like, oh, I should have paid attention. Yeah. In like this whole he's time. He's a little karmic kick in the ass over all this. I like it. I like yeah. that this is the way it's written. I, yeah. Um, I don't have any problem with it. I just think it's fun to riff on him for totally. it. Totally. It totally is. Because I feel like as I read it, that was my whole thought process is like, hey, Grayson's so lucky there's cool people. Yes. Um, and <laughs> hopefully one day he'll be a cool people. He is. Yes. We get to, as we go forward. We get to see more and more of that. So that consistency, we do get some good character building. And I feel like each one of these is an important building block to get him there. You know, between Clayton, between Winfred, it's great. Like he gets some, he gets some fun with that. And that starts our next buddy cop episode. Well, remember, he, the Renfred tells him they loaded a bunch of mechs and stuff onto the dropships and they mount weapons all over it. And they, so then they take it, they jump into trail on space and they tell Renfred tour, they tell him to take him down. He takes him down. All that stuff goes on. As you remember, Ferrocrete, Dropship, Phoenix Hawk, and Tor tells him that they held him in the dropship at gunpoint after they grounded. But then they had to run off and do some missions and stuff. And William H. Keith had seen Star Wars. So Renfred Tor hides <laughs> under an access panel. And like while they come to look for him, they can't find him and he's able to sneak out of the ship. Then there's a bit, they're looking around and Grayson's like, oh, you know, now that, you know, not only are the palace guardsmen like looking around and stuff, like the all the Sargad militiamen now seem to be looking for like kind of like it looks like they're going around talking to people and whatnot. Though they kind of get spooked, and the chapter ends with Grayson. It's just yeah, he's still just like man, what's going on here? You know, pirates. Uh, <laughs> my dad, I just I, I can't put it all together. I don't know. And then you go into chapter nine, which is just. Several paragraphs of Grayson wondering what's going on. And, and then finally asking, like, what do we do now? And Tor just looks at him and he's just like, I'm going to get a job. Like, and Grayson's like, no, <laughs> my father died for this. I didn't want to have to work. <laughs> and I, I love that. I love Tor's just whole, like, just another day yep. making sea bills, my I, dude. I, I got lemons. I'm going to make some lemonade, my yep. dude. <laughs> and he has, like, he has an actual plan thought out. And it's like, he's been through the same amount of timeline Grayson's been on. Like, he has a full, like, this is how I get back into space. Dropship's gone. But, hey, I started from nothing. 
Just start again. Just do it again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. He, he does. He definitely comes off as that like, damn. <laughs> He's also exactly the character Grayson needed. Yep. <laughs> right a a main moment. character. Yes. Uh, but, and then like, now use that template for now on Grayson because right. this guy's cool. Right now, so far, you haven't been. <laughs> yes. He's thinking about the story Tor told him. He's thinking about jump ships and light years, bandit kings. He wonders if maybe it's a job by a rival bandit leader seizing power, perhaps. Tor and Grayson notice all the soldiers. They're clearing out. All of a sudden, it's like they look, they've been called in action. He notices that APCs pull up and they're like loading into them. Then, explosions, gunfire in the distance. You know, a shop front nears them. <laughs> It's very sudden. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's like, what's going on? You know, the soldiers, Grayson like gets up and like looks around the corner and sees the black and gray marauder, you know, stomping around the town. Yes. The same marauder that killed his dad, you know? Yeah. And so the mech just, it just lasers the vehicle with all the dudes on it, like melts all the dudes. It's like so violent. Like, like, it's, it's so sad. Uh, the, the the lasers are brutal in the Grey Death Legion. No one writes lasers like him. It's you get straight melted. It's a shit show. It doesn't, dude. It's it's absolute carnage, right? The pirates, the pirates, they're destroying everything. What are we gonna do? You know, great. They're they're like, we gotta run to Baroneer's house. They're like, let's go. And the Marauders, and like everything's exploding. It's yeah. Grayson's just like staring. At like stuff, drooling once again. Understandably, this time he's staring at the Marauder, and then Tor is just like looking at him and kind of going like, "We gotta go." And Grayson's like, "Huh?" And he's like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here. Where are we going?" And Grayson's like, "I know a dude." But we've now answered the question: Why are the militiamen looking around? It wasn't about you, Grayson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That moment of realization that he still doesn't get at yes. this point. He's like, "All of this hunt is for me." <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's not like, "Oh, did you not think about did the pirates you forget ravaging about the, everything?" Like, the much worse situation yeah. transpiring on this planet. It it does end with this bit. The final paragraph of the chapter is Grayson just like swearing vengeance as he's like running. He's just like, the need for vengeance was like a hunger driving him through the twisting streets of Sargad. He vowed to destroy that marauder and the human who rode in it. And then chapter end. I like how this anger he develops is basically the vehicle that leads Grayson to pulling his head out of his ass. And I like this is where it starts right here. This is where Grayson, you know, all this stuff has happened to him and life came at him fast. His dad just died, etc. His whole family and support structure destroyed. Here, I feel like his subconscious is just kind of unwinding and understanding the consequences of all that. And I think this is really where adult, this is, this is where Grayson becomes an adult right fucking here. Yeah. And starts kind of a, the next part, the next series of Grayson's evolution here. Yes. And from this point on, coming up in the next chapters that we're going to talk about in the next episode, he becomes way fucking cooler real quick. Because he has a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's just been kind of like, what do I do? I don't know. And now he's like, I'm going to fucking kill that dude in the Marauder. Yeah. And he doesn't know how. He doesn't even know why, but from now on, he is working towards that goal. <laughs> and as he stares with that bloodlust, Renfred looks at him and goes, I got friends to save, my dude. Yeah. I'm going to go work. It's been real. Have fun, man. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to get me killed. 
I'm gonna see you later. <laughs> yeah. And fucking dips out like a hero. Totally. Love it. <laughs> and yeah, these next couple chapters we're gonna talk about in the next episode are pretty cool. From this point on, I really like some of the next stuff that comes up. We get some really cool action. We get some cool, like, as we said, Grayson development. It probably is my favorite part of the first section of Decision of Thunder Rift, the first book of Decision of Thunder Rift, since this is broken up into three books. Everything's starting to pay off finally. We've there's been a lot of exposition and and stuff happening up until here. And yeah, it, and it's like, oh, like let's hit the gas. Like I said, that next part, it's gonna be real fun. Next episode, we're gonna have a lot of fun conversations. I would like to thank you all for joining us once again. This is Of Mechs and Men. I am Kanan Hill, joined, as always, by my two good friends, Brent and Aaron. And, of course, I'd like to thank, as always, all the artists and writers who created this beautiful universe we all love. We would like to thank Catalyst Game Labs for continuing to publish and support this incredible catalog of fiction for being such generous stewards of the Battletech universe, and you guys, of course, for listening, if you're listening. Oh, and yes, please, uh, an email. The email address is advice at heat.management. That's right. Please send your emails to advice at heat.management. That's right. We could really use it. Especially Brent. Please. (laughs) Oh, and Brent, where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at of mechs and men, all one word. Excellent, very good. But yeah, thank you so much again, and for you two for joining me. How are we doing? You boys have a good time. I had a good time. Always do. And make sure to check out the links in the description where you can purchase and support Cattle's Games Lab and the authors behind these works. Keep the show going, folks. See you next time. Till next time.